You are listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Well, good day wherever you are, and welcome to Hope Bible Church's broadcast. I'm really thankful for Pastor Marius, a good friend, a longtime friend of our church, a longtime friend of so many of us, and I count it a special privilege to call him as one of my friends as well. And let me just say at the beginning of our time together, Metanoia, Braila, you are so dearly loved. And we're praying for you as your sister church across an ocean. We are praying for you in this time of crisis as well. Well, I hope that you have your Bibles, and I would encourage you to grab a copy of God's Word now. We are continuing on in our series through the book of Acts, and this is right in our timeline of preaching. And only the Lord, only the Lord could have known that the passage that we come to today fits the events of this world amazingly. These are unparalleled days, aren't they? We're hearing words like unprecedented, pandemic, shortage, state of emergency, flattening the curve, words and phrases that we up until a week ago weren't really using. These are certainly unparalleled days. But unparalleled days call us to look at the unparalleled God over all. In times of crisis, we need the truth. Right now in the room where I am standing, there are only about 15 of you. Almost all of you are at home with your children maybe, your family maybe, in your living rooms maybe. Maybe concerned. Maybe anxious. Maybe tired. Maybe worried. Maybe frustrated maybe angry, feeling trapped, feeling isolated. Listen, God's word, God's unparalleled word has truth that all of us need to hear today. We are going to travel back some 2,000 years in history and some 8,500 kilometers away to where modern West Central Turkey about 1,000 miles from Braila, and we are going to hear a story of God's great grace and God's great riches. We go to a city called Antioch in Pisidia, and it was one of the very first stops in the missionary journeys of Paul, the very first missionary journey ever. This, the text in front of us, is a case study in boldness, and it is so timely for each one of us today. In, in, in this day and age, We need to hear this truth. So let's dive into God's word together. But before we do that, let's take a moment to stop and to pray and ask the Lord to help. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that you are clearly communicating to us today. When so many in the world cry out and say, where is God when all of this happens? When so many cry out looking for you, you are communicating clearly. You are speaking loudly through your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead hearts to you. Maybe lead hearts to you for the very first time. Draw us before you, God, that we might find hope and joy and peace and endurance. That we might find you now. 
Lead us, O God, lead us, O God, through your word. Would your spirit be moving in each and every heart? Lead us, O God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When this world is calling us now for a time of concern, when it's calling to us and for a time of caution, when it's calling to us for a time of preparation, for even fear of anything that could happen, what we are gonna see, what we are gonna see today is that it's in just these kinds of situations that God calls his church to boldness. Now is the time for boldness. I want you to see what boldness looks like in our passage. Uh, So what we are going to do is go verse by verse, and in some cases, word by word through the passage that sits in front of us. Look with me again, would you, at Acts 13, verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Can we pause there for a second and chuckle a little bit? The whole city came together. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Massive crowds of people gathering to hear the word of the Lord. Not quite under a 14-day quarantine. Uh, not quite yet banned from public gatherings. Why was this crowd so huge? Well, they had gathered because they had wanted to know more. Remember, and this is now the second Saturday or Sabbath that the Apostle Paul and the boys have arrived into town, and they have been declaring a message of hope found in Jesus Christ alone. And after the first Saturday, they were asked to stay on. In fact, verse 42, just from last week, tells us that they were actually begged to stay on. So, Here comes the encore, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. The disciples are bold. They're boldly declaring the message of Jesus Christ. And right then and there, here comes the opposition. And here comes point number one in our message today. As we recognize that now, church, is the time for boldness, we must also recognize that with boldness comes opposition. With boldness comes opposition. Here again, we see the pattern in the book of Acts that will happen again and again and again. Whenever the gospel is advancing, whenever that's happening, there is always opposition. Whenever the door is opened and there's a wide door for the gospel message to go through, you can guarantee that there is going to be opposition. When you go swimming, you can guarantee you're going to get wet. When you smell the freshly baked loaf of bread, you can guarantee you're going to get hungry. And when you are bold for Christ, you can guarantee you will face opposition. The opposition Paul and the others face is specifically an instance from the Jewish community in Antioch. Uh, Verse 45 tells us that when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul and even reviled him. Opposition has arrived. They tell, we see that he's contradicted and we see that he's reviled. That word for contradict means to speak against the message, to antagonize, to boldly answer in the opposite. Oh yeah, Paul, you don't know what you're talking about, Paul. Oh yeah, Barnabas, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, That's not what Isaiah says. You're interpreting that wrong. You don't have the message of the Bible, right? God would never die on a cross for sin. You don't know what you're talking about, Paul. Contradiction. But then the second word is revile. 
That's the word behind that for blaspheme. It means to attack the person with vulgar words. Hey, Paul, not only do you not know the, the message, not only do you not know your Bible, Paul, you're a moron, Paul. You're a Gentile lover, Paul. You're crazy, Paul. Listen to this, listen to this. When you share the gospel with boldness, you can expect opposition in the message you bring and against you, the messenger. Like getting wet when it rains, when you boldly share Christ, you can expect opposition. Expect it, plan for it, know it's coming. Don't be surprised by this. Now at this point, we freeze the story. At this point in time, Paul and Barnabas and the team have a decision that they can make. Option number one, keep at it, keep preaching, keep telling people about Jesus, or option number two, stop. It's the choice between being controlled by fear and self-preservation and isolation from difficulty or choosing faith. Persistence in the word of God and the message of God and the promises of God. Now listen, there has been a lot of talk these days about fear. Some people are saying that we shouldn't be afraid as Christians. Some people are saying that we should be afraid. Even well-meaning believers in Christ are saying that fear has absolutely no place in the life of the believer so let's just pause for a second and refine what God's word, what God's word has to say about fear. For in fact, the Bible gives us several appropriate reasons to have fear. In fact, fear, the human emotion of fear is a gift given by a good God to preserve his creation. But listen, we should not be controlled by fear. When we look at the Bible, we see several categories of what we would call God-honoring fear. I have these for you on the slide. We can have the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, then the right reverence of who God is. We can have a rapid response fear. This is the kind of fear that the, the mother or the father feels when they see the child reaching for the boiling pot of water. We don't think, we don't need to analyze, we don't need to plan, we just act. And the third kind of fear the Bible says is appropriate is this third one, appropriate concern. That is, we are sobered by the reality that we are facing. We think, we plan, we analyze, we weigh options, and we make good decisions, wise decisions for ourselves and for our family. These are God-honoring fears. God has given them to us, his creation, because he loves us and he wants to protect us. But listen, listen, fear is not to be the controlling influence in our lives. Giving way to fear is characterized by, by meditating over and over and over again on the situation and the trouble again and, and, and entirely thinking about, oh my, oh my, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And what happens in the process is you completely forget about God. You completely forget that there is a sovereign God who is ruling and reigning over all. And the horizontal aspects of this life begin to take control of your heart. But when you look vertically, when you look up, fear is quieted 
in the sure and certain knowledge that there is nothing that can separate the believer in Jesus Christ from the love of Jesus Christ. When we look upwards, fear is quieted in the sure and certain knowledge that God is sovereign. He has been sovereign from the very beginning of creation. He will be sovereign to the very end and on. When we look up, fear is quieted. In Antioch, in Pisidia, a choice was needed. Give in to fear or walk by faith. Years later, Paul would pick up his pen and write these words to his protege, Timothy. He said this in 2 Timothy 3, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, and yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now listen to this, church. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What's the message for us? I can choose to be controlled by fear in the circumstances around me and and seek self-preservation and self-isolation, or I can choose to walk by faith. Persistence in the word of God and the message of God and the promises of God. And yes, opposition will come. And yes, the difficulties will come. But I desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, now is the time for boldness. When I say now, I mean now. I have never seen anything like what I am seeing around me in the world today. In less than one week, the Lord has pushed down so many idols of our hearts picking up something so small that I can't even see and slamming it into the sinful passions of my life. Now all the vacations that I cherish so deeply are gone. Now all the finances that I trust in so completely are smaller. Now the teams that I love to cheer for and root for are not playing anymore. Now my health is in question. Now my children's health is in question. And the world shudders in the ruins of its idols. And what was promised to bring so much hope and so much joy and so much satisfaction and help in the midst of a difficult life has been toppled by something we can't even see with our eyes. And then there is controlling fear and anxiety and frustration and anger and mistrust. Listen, but the answer is the answer that has always been the answer. There is only one who can steady the heart in this time. And his name is Jesus Christ. People of God, you have this message of hope. Now, now is the time for boldness. In a time of crisis, people need to hear the truth. In a time of crisis, your neighbors, your family, your friends need to hear the truth. Contradicted and reviled, the messengers in Acts 13 have a choice to make. And with faith, with faith, they make the right one and keep speaking. Look at verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. 
Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. From the very beginning of the Bible and the Jewish people, the very first Jew, Abraham, in fact, from the very beginning, God had promised to bless the entire world through the people of Israel. God was saying over and over again, I am a universal God, not just for one person, not just for one nation, but for the entire world. And for the remainder of the Old Testament, this God who would centralize his glory on a tiny nation of Israel, preserving and protecting and guiding and promising the people that they would be a blessing to the world. In the Old Testament, this blessing was found as you came and saw in Israel what God was doing. And then one day, Jesus of Nazareth entered. God's son entered. God's son who walked obediently on this earth and who walked submissively to a cross. And Jesus, God's son who would hang upon a cross and would die for the sins, not just for Israel's sins, but for the sins of the entire world. And now once separated by sin, once separated by death and the shame of our sin, now by faith in Christ, we can be forgiven and we can find life and we can be welcomed into the loving arms of a God who would stop at nothing to rescue his people that he has loved so very much. But the story doesn't just end with the cross because three days later, the son of heaven would rise under his own power from the grave and the grave could do nothing to stop them. He stood up and he walked out. And this is the message that Paul and Barnabas are proclaiming. This glorious message of life and death and life again in Jesus Christ. No longer, no longer now this message is come and hear, come to Israel and hear about this great and glorious loving God. Now it is go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Jesus's final words to his disciples that started this whole book of Acts in the first place, Acts chapter one on screen for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And there it is to the end of the earth. What's being said here? What's being said here? God's Glory cannot be contained. What's being said here? God's, the hope found in God and God alone cannot be silenced. What's being said here? The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. Now, now is the time for boldness, church. And when the world lays weeping at the feet of its pulverized gods, tell them the message. And this message that Paul is sharing in Antioch, and this is the message that some of them will reject, but this is the message that some of them will receive. Paul continues, look at verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now this is a quote from Isaiah 49 that was written about 800 years before Paul would stand in Antioch. Uh, the Lord speaking to Isaiah, his prophet, he says this on screen for you. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? Here it is. 
I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Listen, from the very beginning, it was God's plan to reach the entire world with salvation. And now it's taking off. But some of the Jews in Antioch don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to share this salvation. And Paul and Barnabas say, well, if you don't want it, if you oppose it, we will go to the ends of the earth. We will go to the Gentiles because this message of life in Christ is for them too. The hope of Jesus is for them too. Verse 48, look what happens. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Can, 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 you, can you picture the scene? This is now the second Sabbath, the second Sabbath in Antioch and Pisidia. And Paul, as was his custom, he would go to the synagogue. Gentiles are not allowed in the synagogue. So the first Sunday, first Saturday, he's in there, he's preaching. And then the word gets around the city of this message of hope and, and salvation in Jesus Christ that is for everyone. And so the Gentiles appear, but they can't get in the room. They're not allowed in the synagogue. And so they stand outside. And when Paul says this, then we will go to the Gentiles. You can imagine what this looks like, right? What did he say? What did he say? Closest Gentile to the door says, he, he said this is for us. He said this is for us too. Pass the word, pass the word. He said this is for us. He said this is for us. He said this is for us. Are you kidding me? Salvation found in Jesus Christ is for me too. It's not just for them, it's for me. It's for us. You can imagine the joy. You can imagine the glory. Seizing boldness and declaring the gospel first sees opposition. But I want you to see this secondly. As we recognize that now is the time for boldness, we must also see that with boldness comes salvation. They began rejoicing and glorifying in the word of God. Look at the joy. Look at the glory. You see, God had appointments with these Gentiles. Born and raised in a pagan religion and hearing other travelers from the other Antioch, they came into town next week. They're sharing such strange things. And so they want to hear what's being spoken of. And, and they hear of a hope that cannot be touched by financial struggle. They hear of a hope that cannot be touched by war or famine or hunger or viruses. To hear them tell of a God who has loved his people so much that he came to rescue them and to deliver them. He came as one of them, a poor, homeless Jewish man. He came to face the punishment for sin that you and I freely deserved. He came to pay his life upon a cross. He came to rise. He came to save so that all who would believe in his name, he gave the right to be called the sons of God, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life in Jesus Christ, that this Christ redeems, he forgives, he restores. 
Listen, in one week, I have seen the world turned upside down. You and I can choose to be controlled by fear and by self-preservation, or we can choose to walk by faith, persistence in the word of God and the message of God and the promises of God. And we can choose to believe that in this time that we are facing, God has appointments with people and he wants to use us in this. Listen, now is the time for you if you care and love people. You will see many men and women even more scared maybe than they are already. And if they are, we must take advantage of this moment to do good. We have the hope. We have the only hope. We know the one who died for them. We need to tell them of the cross. Put Jesus in front of their eyes. Tell them that he is the one who died to save them. Tell them of Calvary. Tell them of the pains. Tell them of the sacrifice the Lord Jesus Christ did. Tell them that whoever looks upon the Son of Man will have life. Tell them that he is able to save to the uttermost. Tell them that he can even reach the thief in the 11th hour upon a cross and say to that man, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, now is the time for boldness, church. I pray many hearts are praying, God, God, how will you use me? I have the message of hope. How will you use me, Lord? You know the circumstances. You know the place I'm in. You know the restrictions I have. How will you use me? Can we believe this? That with boldness, we will see opposition, yes. But with boldness, we will also see salvation in this time. The reality is, is that in the world around us, God may be more clearly heard by people than ever before. With all of the distractions of the world silenced, they may hear, oh God, oh God, for salvation across our land, across this world, well, what's the result of this? Look at verse 49. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And here's the final point I have for you this morning. Quickly now, with boldness, we can expect opposition. And with boldness, we can also expect salvation. But lastly, this, with boldness comes more. More of what, you ask? Well, more life change, 49 again. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region spreading throughout the whole region. I like that term. I think of that term a lot in the day that we live in. Spreading around like a virus, but a good one, a really good one. One that will heal the heart. I liked what Pastor Nathan said last weekend. The gospel spreads faster than any virus. Like a holy fire across the continent, Opposition and attacks and difficulty only serve to pour gasoline upon the message of the gospel, and it spreads even faster. But with the gospel spreading and more life change happening, we should also not be surprised when we see this. We also see more opposition. Look at verse 50. The Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Now, some of the Jews, the, the jealous, contradicting, reviling kind, 
now decide to take the next step and stir up the pot to get the civil leadership involved to kick them out of the city. I'll be honest with you, when I, when I read this, I, I kind of chuckled. I thought this was kind of funny. Okay, picture the, picture the contest. In, in this corner, okay, we've got the cynics and, and the jealous critics, the revilers and the contradictors, and then they have recruited the owner of the bank. And they have recruited uh, uh, the, the leader of the women's social club. And now it, they think they've got it set. That's that corner. And then in this corner over here are the apostles with the message of the gospel empowered by the unstoppable nature of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the glorious, unstoppable nature of God himself. I don't know who you'd root for. I like my chances over here. And as we read the book of Acts, we see that's exactly what happens. Nothing stops the gospel because nothing stops God. The gospel goes forth with power. But the boys, the boys are moving on. Verse 51, but they shook the dust off their feet. See you later. And they went, the text says, home because they were so defeated and deflated and discouraged. Is that what it says? Someone says, no, they went to Iconium, the next city. Hey, Paul, where are we going next? Well, Barnabas, looks like Iconium's down the road. Let's do that one next. More life change, more opposition, yes. Now look at verse 52, our last verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. More life change, more opposition, more joy, more filling of the Holy Spirit. In obedience to the call placed in their lives, the disciples are filled with joy, joy that nothing can touch, and the unstoppable comforting presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. All in favor of more joy and more Holy Spirit in your lives. What I want you to see though, is that this filling of the Spirit and this filling with joy is a direct result of their obedience to the call. Obedience brings increased joy. Obedience leads to greater filling by the Holy Spirit. What does obedience look like for you today? What does obedience look like for your family today? How is God calling you to follow him? How can God use you in this crisis? When he says to you from his word today, that now is the time for boldness. How can you be bold for Christ in strange days like these, days that none of us have ever seen? Well, let's ask God together for his help in seeing this. Let's pray together. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would lead our hearts. We don't need to pray now that you take control of a situation or a crisis that we are facing. You are already in control. 
We don't need to pray that we... We need to pray that we see that you are in control. And we need to pray that we can believe by faith that you are doing what you are doing. And what you are doing is right. That you are ruling and reigning even when we are confused and even when we are scared. So we pray, Lord, as a people across many homes that you would deliver us, Lord, from being consumed by fear and anxiety. That you would deliver us into service. That you would deliver us to be bold, to tell people of the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. God, how will you use me? How will you use me? I have the message. I have been given hope. I understand. God, how will you use me? Lead me to you in greater obedience. Lead me to you. God, 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 we pray for salvation. We've been praying for revival for many years. God, could this be the instrument of your hand to accomplish this? Could you be bringing thousands of souls to you? As this world looks upon what gave them hope, what used to give them hope, what used to give them security, and what used to give them joy, would they see you, Lord? Make us bold, please, Lord. Make us bold. And Lord, as a church family, we lift to you those who are sick. We lift to you the vulnerable, those who are hurting, those who are scared. Lord, lead them to you that they may feel your great, your great comfort in this time. God, we pray for those who lead, that you would guide, that you would guide them, that wisdom and understanding be given to them, even if they don't know you. And God, we do pray that they would come to know you. Lord, we pray for family and friends in other countries or maybe even trying to get home or living abroad. Pray that you would comfort them that they would feel your presence and care over their lives as well. And above all, above all, Lord, we thank you. We thank you because the reality and the crisis that we are fearing and struggling with right now does not need to consume us. The truth for us in Christ is that you have already you have already dealt with the greatest fear our hearts could ever know. And upon the cross, you paid for our sin and you broke the back of the enemy. And there is now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. And we rejoice in, in the fact that our sin has been paid for in full. As we'll sing in just a second, it was nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. And yes, we face trials, and yes, we face difficulties, and yes, we face loss, and yes, we face uncertainty ahead of us, but it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. We recognize, Lord, that there likely will be a day, and we pray very soon, when this coronavirus thing will be stopped. But we also recognize with joy that the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped because you cannot be stopped. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would lead us, please, in this time, that we would live lives of worship to you. Pray every single heart who hears this 
would experience the closeness and comfort of you more than ever before. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.